Okay, guys, City on Hill, it's Andrew here. Uh, let's pray as we open God's Word together. Uh, Lord, please speak to us as you promised through your Word. Lord, give us your Spirit so we might understand what you have written for us. Uh, Lord, please make us people of hope. Amen. Uh, now, I wonder for you what COVID-19 lockdown uh, has done to some of the dreams that you had. Did you have anything special come up? Yesterday, it was supposed to be Lucy's birthday party, uh, but that was postponed. Uh, we're supposed to have family visiting from Australia this weekend and next that got cancelled. Adil and I were even supposed to get a night away uh, without the kids just after Easter, and that's been rescheduled, hopefully. Hopefully we'll still get to go. Uh, people have missed out on weddings, overseas holidays, new jobs, buying a home, moving countries. Uh, people have been looking forward to these things, hoping for them, but now they've been postponed, cancelled, uh, rescheduled, shut down along with the rest of our society. Uh, now, whatever your life situation is at the moment, whatever particular disappointment you experience, it's, it's my prayer that you're going to get some encouragement from the next four weeks. And, and the reason is this, uh, I don't think that God wants us to go through this life with nothing to look forward to. Uh, God wants you to know that no matter how bleak things may be at the moment, uh, God wants you to know that the best is yet to come. Our hope isn't in this world. God wants you to know that a time is coming when it will all be good. Now, God, in his word, calls this kind of positive thinking about the future, he calls it hope. Now, hope is um, uh, sometimes the misunderstood middle child. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, especially, uh, hope is a really important characteristic about, uh, of, for the followers of Jesus. We have those three theological virtues of the Christian, faith, hope, and love. Uh, see, hope is really important. It's listed right up there with faith and love as one of the things that's really vital for being a follower of Jesus. Uh, but unfortunately, like uh, most middle children, hope has been uh, virtually ignored because its other two siblings, Faith and Love, they seem to get all the attention. Now, now over the years, uh, reams and reams have been written about the virtue of love. And, and really, on one level, that's as it should be. Uh, Paul lists love as the greatest of the three virtues. Love is what drives Jesus to the cross. And it's this love that ought to drive uh, the followers of Jesus to love others. Uh, and we're also kind of intensely interested in faith. Uh, faith comes to us as a gift from God. Uh, we delight in the way that we're saved through faith in Jesus. Uh, we rejoice that it is by faith we are justified before God. Uh, that is, by faith our sins are wiped away. Uh, but what about hope? Well, often we find that when life is going fine, we overlook hope. Uh, we overlook hope when there's no queue at the supermarket. We overlook hope when there's no uncertainty in the economy. Uh, we, we, we don't think about hope when we're not trying to balance uh, our kids at home and work on the computer at the same time. Uh, when life is going well and normal, hope, we just overlook it. Uh, we're satisfied with what we've got. We've convinced ourselves uh, that our lives and our little worlds are under our control. And so we don't see any need for hope for the future. And so it's when we're confronted like times like this, that we realize that we actually do need hope. And it's in times like this that we see the difference that it makes if you are a person of hope. Uh, see, God wants his people to be people of hope. Uh, now, what, what that means is not just kind of positive thinking, kind of or just a stick your head in the sand sort of hope. God wants us to know that our future is very bright indeed. He wants us to know that the best is yet to come. He wants us to know that it's going to be okay in the end. And he wants us to know this so that in the present, we can be living 
the best possible way. And so the plan over the next four Sundays with a short break for Easter, we're going to be getting a really clear picture of hope, a good look at what it is that God has in store for those of us who know him, uh, what he has in store for us in the future. And when we see what he's got in store for us, we'll be inspired to live now as people of hope and to shine as people of hope in the darkness. Uh, so we're going to spend uh, this week looking at uh, Psalm 33 and Isaiah 65. Uh, and to begin with, we're going to look at this hope in the Old Testament, Israel's hope. Uh, we're going to start by looking at, it, at what it was that God's people, were, what they were looking forward to. And what we'll discover is that even in the Old Testament, even in the Old Testament, the future for God's people, it was incredibly bright. Uh, and it was bright for two reasons. Uh, the first reason we see in Psalm 33, and it's the presence of an unfailing creator. Uh, and for this, uh, we're going to have a look at that snippet of Psalm 33 that we had read for us. Uh, now, listen to these words. They're, they're, they're tucked away in the psalm, but they're all about the greatness of the God who has created everything around us. He holds the waters to, and of the seas together. Uh, he looks down on mankind uh, and he can do whatever he wants, this God can. And in the midst of this description, this magnificent description of this creator God, uh, this point is being made. Verse 16. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his unfailing love. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. Now, do you see what these verses are really getting at? The hope of Israel, uh, in a very real sense, it's, it, it's actually a hope in God himself. God is their hope. And so the psalmist says that his confidence about the future, it's not based on having a big army. It's not based on having the most horses. It's not based on having the most high-tech weapons. Uh, it's not even based on a, a vaccine or a rebound in the economy. Now, what does it say there? The psalmist's hope is in God. And it's in, it's in God and it's in God's power that he created everything and that he can do whatever he wants. You see, the psalmist's hope is based on the character of God. It's based in, on his unfailing love and mercy. Uh, and even though this is just one psalm, uh, it's repeated time and time again throughout the psalms. I mean, over this week, you might want to read through them. Uh, you could read through uh, Psalm 9 or Psalm 22 or Psalm 25, where it says, no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame. We can have a look at Psalm 31 or 37 or 39 or 42 or 43 or 52 or 62 or Psalm 65. You answer with us with awesome deeds, um, awesome and righteous deeds, God, our Savior, the hope of all ends of the earth. Uh, the list could go on. I'll, I'll put the list up on the Facebook community online uh, and you should be able to have a read of these Psalms of hope during the week. Because over and over and over again, the same point is being made. Their hope is in God, it is in his character and in his power. And it's a theme that runs all the way through the prophets as well. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, it runs through the prophets. We get the same lesson time and time again. 
And the lesson is this, the Lord God Almighty himself, he is the hope. He is the hope of his people. And without wanting to sound uh, immature, uh, kind of, uh, it, it sounds a bit like a kid eagerly awaiting their birthday. Uh, at our house, uh, conversations about birthdays, they seem to uh, crop up months and months in advance. Uh, and it's because uh, kids love it being their birthday. Uh, they love it being their birthday. Uh, and almost all year we're writing lists, uh, birthday lists of friends and of gifts and of cakes and party ideas. Uh, But we all know that, don't we? We know the excitement of a child for their birthday. Uh, Even though they might not know what present they'll get, uh, even though they don't know where their party will be, even though they might not know the flavor of cake they're going to eat, they're excited because they know that their parents love them and their parents uh, who love them are going to give them good things. Uh, And see, that's with Israel and and God in the Old Testament. Now, they might be unsure of exactly what's going to happen or the shape of their hope, but they still have hope because of the nature of who God is, because of his character and because of his power. Uh, During World War II, as the Nazis occupied the Netherlands, Corrie ten Boom became famous for hiding many Jews, uh, and she risked her life uh, and even ended up in a concentration camp for her efforts. After her release from prison, she was asked why she took such great risks, and, and this is how she replied, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. That's the lesson here, isn't it, in the Old Testament, isn't it? The hope of God's people is actually based on uh, the very character of God himself, that he is good and that he is sovereign and that he has everything under his control. And for us sitting on this side of the cross, we can see that so much more clearly This side of the cross, even though we face an uncertain future, even though we might not be sure how long we have work for, even though we might not be sure how long this lockdown will go, will it really be four weeks? Uh, We're anxious about uh, when we'll be reunited with our loved ones. Some of us are scared uh, for those who we know and love who are vulnerable. Even though we face an uncertain future, we face it with a known God so we can have hope. Hope because of who God is. Because your God is good and your God is sovereign and he has shown it to us in the past through the gift of his son. And so we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. And it's worth us taking a moment to realize something about the way that the Bible uses the word hope. See, when we see the word hope in the scriptures, uh, what's being talked about is much more than kind of much more confident and solid than the way that we usually use the word hope. Uh, You might uh, hear me say things like, gee, I I hope it's not going to be windy and raining tomorrow so I can go outside and ride my bike. Or I I hope the Wallabies win the Bledisloe Cup. And see, you might uh, think that those are nice thoughts, but you really know they're very unlikely to happen, don't you? Uh, It's really just kind of wishful thinking. Uh, But in the Bible... Hope is far more certain, it's far more confident than that because hope is grounded in the very character of God. He is good and he can do anything, which means hope in him is more than just wishful thinking. It's more than just positive vibes. It's grounded and concrete in his very character. And that's good. But the Old Testament hope, it doesn't just end there in the character of God. We also have hope because we have the promise of an unblemished creation. And this is where we dig into our reading from Isaiah 65. 
uh, and have a look with me at verse 17. Uh, it says this at verse 17. See, I'll create a new heaven and a new earth. From the former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. Now, these verses were written for a very dark time in Israel's history. Uh, The people of God are exiles. They're sitting in captivity in Babylon, sitting under the judgment and curse of God for their idolatry. And then in verse 17, God assures them. He assures them that although their present situation is pretty bleak, they have a glorious future waiting for them. As a matter of fact, out of the ruins of Israel, out of the ruins of our broken world, God is actually going to bring a new creation. Uh, See, I'll create a new heavens and a new earth. It is a very deliberate echo of the first verse in the Bible, uh, way back in Genesis chapter 1, where it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, now God is going to build a new one. Uh, As many of you are aware, uh, the Old Testament begins with the account of a good creation which goes tragically bad. Uh, humanity, they, they take things into their own account and take things into their own hands. They decide to run things their own way. They decide to make decisions independent of God. They decide that they know better than God. And the result of that is what we see on the TV news every night. The result of that is a, a broken world, a, a totally messed up world. Often you'll hear some preachers, that they do this thing where they um, draw a direct link between a disaster and a particular sin, like an earthquake and gay marriage or uh, a bushfire and euthanasia. I'm sure that it will emerge over the next little while that someone will draw some, judgment, some connection between uh, COVID-19 and God's judgment of the world because of a particular sin. It's important for us to remember that uh, God's word never draws such a link. Uh, It never draws such a direct link like that. But what God's word does tell us is that because of sin, because of rebelling against God, uh, it's broken God's good world. And it means that it doesn't work the way that it ought. It's outside of right relationship with its creator, uh, which means that things like earthquakes and bushfires and coronaviruses, they happen. Uh, They tell us that the world is not well, that we're not living in sync with our creator, that the world is broken. You see, against that background, God in the Old Testament, he promises an amazing thing. He promises to fix up the world. And it starts with the promises made back to Abraham in Genesis, the promise to Abraham and his family that all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, that through his family, he would fix up the world. And in the story of the Old Testament, it's pretty much the story of God using Abraham's family and his descendants, Israel, to fix up the world. And it's a long and complicated story. And at times the trajectory, it's not always up. But what is ultimately going on uh, through all the action is that God is working to restore the world, to get rid of wickedness, to get rid of evil. And now Isaiah 65, uh, we've got one of the clearest promises in the Old Testament. See, I'll create a new heavens and a new earth. I want you to notice there, there's a plural there. There's a plural. See, it's a reference to the sun and the stars and the planets. And so please realize that the hope of God's people is to not be in heaven when we die, but the hope of God's people is to be in a new creation when we die. Now, I get that sometimes people use the word heaven to refer to the new creation, uh, but the popular idea that we're kind of be floating along on clouds with um, everything being dazzling and white and that we uh, won't do much other than kind of play a harp, uh, well, that's actually never the picture depicted in the Bible for the future of God's people. 
Uh, the future of God's people is much more dynamic and vivid and exciting and energizing than that. You see, the future of God's people is, is not to be in heaven. It's to be in the new heavens and the new earth. It's to be part of a new creation. A, a, a new physical creation full of enjoyment and pleasure and, and, and fulfillment and free from pain and anxiety and tensions. Now, Isaiah 65 uses beautiful language to describe it. Uh, first, it says that the horrible things of the past, there'll be no more. Uh, take a look at the second half of verse 17. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. Now, can you imagine a day when we'll all be sitting around chatting and like, we'll just be kicking back and we, we won't be able to remember the things like cancer. We won't be able to remember miscarriages. Just a sec. Or the terrible accident. Siri has just launched into something awesome. Uh, we won't be able to remember something uh, that we've never been able to leave behind. Uh, we'll sit around and we won't be able to remember when Siri interrupted my sermon or when we won't be able to recall the coronavirus. And it isn't because these things are trivial. Uh, but the new creation is saying it'll be so spectacular, it'll be so perfect that the former things will not be, the, the former things of this world, the broken things of this world, they'll be forgotten. And verse 19, kind of weeping will, will be replaced by rejoicing. And verse 20, uh, never again will, there, will an, there be an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. Uh, the horrible things of his life, they will be no more. The futility of life, that too will be no more. Now take a look with me at verse 21. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord. They and their descendants with them. You see, the picture here it has of is, is that life will no longer be futile for the people of God in this new creation. I mean, many of us, we know the injustice of having something that we've worked hard for taken away from us, uh, whether it be a, a business that's fallen on hard times, whether it be an, in, an investment that's heading south, uh, whether it be someone, uh, someone else taking the credit for our efforts, uh, either some work at uni or in a job. Uh, if you ever had your car stolen or your house broken into, you know about something being taken away that, that wasn't theirs to take. Uh, Adele's mum uh, passed away about 10 years ago. Uh, and one of the things uh, that was really special was that Adele and her sister inherited uh, a bunch of her mum's jewellery. Uh, before they had a chance to sort through it all, someone broke into Adele's house, Adele's dad's house and they, they stole the lot. The whole thing was gone. Uh, but in the new creation, we won't need insurance. Uh, there'll be no need to lock our doors. There won't be any need for the police or lawyers or courts or vaccines. The futility of this life, it, it'll be done away with. Because in the new creation, the old has gone. Just a, a dim memory, the tragedy and futility and the evil of this creation will be gone, done away with once and for all. That was the hope of Israel, the hope of God's people in the Old Testament. And it, it's our hope as well. You see, in the New Testament, it picks up on all of this imagery and it takes it all and it applies it to those of us who follow Jesus so that we look forward to the new creation. We look forward to a new heavens and a new earth. We look forward to a new creation and it's picked up really clearly for us in uh, Revelation chapter 21. 
uh, describes it as a place where God himself will wipe every tear from our eyes. And it's actually amazing to think that the New Testament describes, uh, what the New Testament describes uh, is, is even greater for those of us who live, for, for you and I who live on the other side of the cross. Uh, it says in the New Testament that we have an even better hope than that that the prophet Isaiah knew about. And how could that possibly be possible? How could we have a greater hope? Well, Isaiah 65, it, it sounds like perfection. Well, it's because of what Jesus has done. Uh, and we're going to think a little bit more about that next week. Uh, but for now, there's more than enough here to bring us a lot of comfort. Uh, here there's enough to bring us hope in the darkness, especially in these dark days. Uh, even now we can see that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And that makes a big difference uh, for us even now. Uh, I recently heard a, uh, a true story about an airline pilot in America. His name was Henry Dempsey. Uh, he was flying along when they heard an, a really unusual noise down the back of the plane. Uh, Henry handed uh, the controls of the plane to his co-pilot and he went down the back to investigate. Uh, when he got there, uh, the rear door wasn't closed properly. Uh, so he tried to fix it. Uh, and as he tried to fix it, the, the door blew off completely and instantly it kind of sucked him out of the plane. Uh, the co-pilot who's flying along saw the alarm that the door was open uh, and no one uh, could see the pilot when they went down the back of the plane. So they just assumed that he'd been sucked out of the plane. And so the, the co-pilot called a helicopter to come and search the area uh, while he uh, flew off to make an emergency landing. After the, the plane landed, they found poor old Henry holding on to the outside ladder of the aircraft. Uh, it's pretty amazing, but somehow he managed to catch the ladder and he held on for 10 minutes while the plane was going 200 miles an hour at 4,000 feet in the air. He just kept holding on until it landed. Uh, and in the report that they uh, wrote up, they said, and I'm not sure if this is true, uh, they said it took 15 minutes to get his fingers off the ladder. Uh, he was holding on so tight. Uh, but this thing was true. Uh, when they interviewed him, uh, he said this. He said the thing that kept him hanging on the thing that kept him holding there was that he knew eventually the plane was going to land. And the thing that kept him holding tight was he knew there would be a time when it was all going to be over. Our world, uh, it feels a little bit like that at the moment. It feels like we're hanging on for dear life. Uh, as followers of Jesus, uh, we know that it's going to land sometime. Uh, there is an unfailing creator who is going to bring in an unblemished creation. And that's the hope that holds us. That's the hope that helps us. That's the hope that means we can hold on because that's a future that's worth living for now. So keep holding on. Keep trusting God. Keep trusting the God who is good and powerful. Uh, maybe this week you want to read through those Psalms of hope uh, to help you to stay focused on the God who is our hope. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the hope that you hold out for us in your word. That it's not a hope that's grounded in just better circumstances or freedom from pain or sickness. But ultimately, it's a hope that's grounded in who you are. Grounded in your character. Grounded in what you have done for us. So Lord, this week as we live another week of lockdown, as we live another week apart... Uh, Lord, please be, help us to be people of hope. People who shine hope into this dark world. People who hope, not just for things to get better in a few weeks' time, but hope ultimately in you. And we pray all of these things in the great name of Jesus. Amen.